Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's Your Story, we will focus on real people with killer jobs and talk about how they got where they are today. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. is taking a swig of her water as I'm saying hello. So I'll start. Um, welcome everyone to our, I don't even know how many virtual episodes we've had so far. I think three or four podcast episodes. So thank you for being here with us today to our Facebook audience on both Dreamcatchers and Choice Fashion and Media and to our future listeners on iTunes. Um, today we are, I hear myself a little, hopefully it's, it'll, I don't know, dissipate. Um, today we are here welcoming a wonderful panel of fellow working moms like ourselves that Marissa actually had a wonderful idea to bring them together and have a conversation about what this time has been like, um, as a working parent. So what we typically do is actually have our guests introduce themselves. So I would love to go around and I'll just point you out in the order I see you. Um, if you could introduce yourself to our audience and give us your name, your title, where, you know, what you do, it doesn't matter where you work or if you want to share that. Um, and just a little bit about yourself, who you are and maybe how you know us. And then we can um, jump into some of our questions. So first on my screen is Jerry. You can introduce yourself, Jerry. Hi guys, how you doing? I'm Jerry Albin. I'm an attorney at a Sabre Law Firm. Um, I do general litigation, but I focus uh, primarily on environmental law. Um, I live in Fairhaven. That's how I know Jamie and Marissa. Uh, I have two kids, Emma and Charlie, eight and five. And Charlie's eight and Emma's five. Um, and, you know, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this very bizarre, interesting period that we all had to, you know, sort of wait our way through. Please also tell us about your kids because I didn't say that part. Um, I'm Jamie. Uh, for those of you that don't know me out there, I think at this point most do, uh, I have two boys, um, and he, my oldest is in second grade, finishing second, and my little guy is in pre-K three. Um, so needless to say, it's been fairly challenging to be both a second grade teacher and learning how to regroup, which is carry a one and also figure out how to entertain my three or four year old this whole time, um, in pre-K three, which is really, really challenging. So that's me. Um, next on my screen is Jody. 
Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jody Jackman. I live in Ramsey, New Jersey. Um, I own a market research company where we primarily do focus group testing. Um, our first office was in Montreal, New Jersey, and we just recently opened up a location in New York City. Uh, so it's not even a year old. So this whole situation has been quite interesting, opening and then temporarily closing that office. But we're positive. Everything, you know, going to get back to normal or, or somewhat normal at some point. Um, and it will continue to thrive. I have one daughter who's gonna be five years old at the end of the summer. She is graduating um, preschool next Friday. Um, so it's been interesting being home with her. Um, I haven't been home with her this much since she's four months old. So it's definitely been a lot of trial and error. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. I felt like this was, this kind of came at the perfect time to meet some new working moms, non-working moms, but just professional women to kind of connect and, you know, kind of go through everything that everyone's going through together. So I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Jody. Um, up next is Courtney. Hi everyone. I'm Courtney Tom. Um, I actually live in Chicago now, but I have known, Marissa and Jamie since uh, practically birth. <laughs> we grew up around the corner from each other. Um, I currently am the regional vice president of sales at a company called Bliss, which is a global mobile location company. Um, so I run the Chicago office here. Um, we're based in the UK and also have offices in New York and uh, LA. And I have two two children, one who is four and a half, um, Alexa, and the other is Jordana, who just turned one yesterday. So birthday. thank you. Um, yeah, the poor girl spent most of her or a quarter of her life in quarantine. So that's been interesting. Um, so yeah, navigating, you know, my, my older one goes to Montessori. So we had Zoom calls, but whatever that might be in terms of a four and a half year old trying to learn to read and do math. Um, and then the baby is when she's not napping, it was all hands on deck. So navigating this time has definitely been difficult. They finally went back to school uh, two weeks ago. So it feels a little, uh, a little relief, but uh, excited to talk to everyone. And, you know, all of us come from different uh, backgrounds in terms of careers, but all navigating uh, this time with children uh, is definitely <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks, Court. Alicia, you're up. Sure. Um, I'm Alicia Tenenbaum. Um, I'm a social worker, and I work at a hospital in New York City. I'm the senior director for social work and the nurse case managers. Um, and I live in Brooklyn, and although sometimes it feels like I live in the hospital, but I really live in Brooklyn in Park Slope, and I have three girls. Um, a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. And I know Marissa and Jamie also from growing up, so a long time. Um, spent many, many years together in New Jersey. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm probably a little different in the fact that I have not been working remotely. I've been coming into work every day. So my situation at home is just a little bit different, but I have days where I'm jealous to not be able to just work from my home and then days where I'm pretty relieved that I get to come into work <laughs> and leave three kids with my husband. Um, so yeah, that's my story and I'm looking forward to uh, talking with everybody. Awesome. Chris, you want Am to I the only one that hasn't gone? Yes. For those of you who don't know me, um, <laughs> I'm Marissa Klein and to some people I'm Marissa Kay. 
Um, professionally, I'm Marissa Klein, and I am uh, the mother of two girls, an 11-year-old that's turning 38 anytime soon. Um, her name is Sienna, and my eight-year-old, who is probably in the backyard with a unicorn sprinkler right now, Summer. Um, we, Jamie and I, are... Might, what's our new term, Jamie? Multi-hyphenates? Oh, yeah, we... We just got we just got this new term as uh, a friend of ours that we interviewed last week was described as it and we loved it. Multi hyphenate. I love that. Like we just have like 75 titles and different things that we do. Ming, I think I'm trying to figure out which one is of us is echoing. Ming, is it can you hear us okay? Somebody is making us echo. So. Um I, I hear you fine. I'll I'll figure it out. Uh some uh, yeah, someone's sound is just a little up too high, so there's a little feedback, but it's not it's not terrible. Okay, great. Um, we we do all these different things together, but most important job is the one that we all have in common, um, and that is being mothers. Now, I, I I need to say for a moment, obviously, we have interviewed many people through the last year and a half. Uh, that are working mothers. So I'm not alienating all of the parents that we've had before. But what I've decided to do in this moment by bringing all of you together is you're not necessarily, other than Courtney, um, in our traditional world where Jamie and I usually discuss career in a fashion and media scope and or inspiration from entrepreneurs that are in our lives. Um, you, you fall a little bit out of it. And I, I mean that in the best way possible. And what combines us all is the fact that we were balancing a lot of things at a very unique time. And I said right before we went on that I was thankful for the calendar allowing us to have this conversation June 15th rather than, let's say, April something. Because having speaking for myself and then also speaking, maybe putting words in your mouth, each of us were a little bit different in April than we were today. Um, and with Alicia working on the front lines and leaving three kids at home and Courtney managing this huge position with a baby in her house and, and a toddler and Jody opening a, a, a New York branch and having to temporary pause on a dream that she'd been chasing for a very long time. And Jerry pretty much solving all of New Jersey's problems and also <laughs> on the school board of our town while mothering two kids. We have all been, what I would say eloquently, hot mess expressing. <laughs> and I won't even tell you what Jamie was like. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, and, and maybe don't rewind back to some of our episodes at the beginning. Um, but I'm very happy to be here on this side of uh, whatever this coin is, because I don't really know what side we're on. But if, if Courtney's kids are back in some form of school, we're doing okay. And um, we are zooming in on your professional journeys, but with a highlight of how you've managed to raise humans, which frankly, now more than ever, seems to be the most important job redefined, right? Um, so without much further ado, I, I know some of these answers privately, but I look forward to sharing them publicly. Um, I'm going to ask each of you one of my favorite questions. What was your very first job? And Jerry, I actually think I know this, but I'm going to start with you because you might be 
the one I'm less sure of. Wait, no, Marissa, you missed our favorite question, which is what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, you're right. Whoops. I've only been doing how many of these have I done? So why don't we do this? What did you want to be when you grew up? And then what was your first job? Because I think that's a fun way to just combine the two answers. We can start there. Go ahead, Jerry. You're you're up. Mine is so boring. And I said this to Jamie yesterday. I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up, like, which is so lame. And I can't, that's like a real, I have a third grade report on I want to be a lawyer when I grew up. So dumb. That's just so fun. Why did you want to be a lawyer when you grew up? Like why? I I had a favorite uncle who was a lawyer. And when I was little, and this is like now silly, he was, I guess he was single and he used to like spoil me and he was a lawyer and I thought it was like so fancy with his office. And now I get my son is obsessed with offices. Like he has a phone and like a desk and like the whole thing. And I think I was the exact same way. Um, That uncle is now a New Jersey Supreme Court justice, which is so awesome. So he was like very big, you know, inspirational to me as a kid. Um, and I really, you know, he always made it about helping people. And, you know, that was, uh, I think, a theme that ran through my family and in my life forever and through college and et cetera. So um, I saw the law at some point as being a way to help people who needed it. Um, and so that was why I wanted to be a lawyer. So that's how he framed it for me. And I think that really, you know, most people wouldn't describe lawyers that way. So there's that. <laughs> um and my very first job, so I had two jobs at the same time. I was like a real, like wanted to work. I worked at Friendly's. I was a waitress with my <laughs> Oh, the fribble. I make a mean um, one. <laughs> no, delicious. And I worked at a movie theater. I was the, like, the, there was like a small two cinema movie theater where we, I would sell candy and popcorn and like watch the same two movies for like a year. You know, they never changed the movies and all the kids would hang out and it was like a fun, easy way to, you know, hang out and, and have a job and make money. So, so your common denominator was helping people and dessert. But the other thing, I think, I, <laughs> I love dessert, like love dessert, like real addiction, big time. Um, but I also thought, I always thought that I feel like I'm a good lawyer. Like, I'm a very good lawyer. I'm going to just say it. It's fine. But I was the best waitress ever. Like, I think, and I think everyone has moms and caretakers and trying to please people and make it fun and friendly and all those things. Um, Friendlies was like a great first job for me because I felt like great at it. I was like, I'm so good. You know, I just like, everyone was happy when they got there. Happy. It was a happy ending Sunday. That's what it was. Happy ending Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> original happy ending. Friendly. Harry and I have that in common. <laughs> um, and, oh my gosh, that's so funny. When we discovered that about each other, like we were dead on the floor. We're like, who else in the world works at Friendly's? Like, no one. Um, I also got fired from that job, but that's a whole other mm. podcast episode. Um Jody, what about you? What did you want to be when you grew up and what was your first job? So I always knew that I wanted to be a business owner. Um, I didn't know what kind of business. I used to play store. I would change my room and my sister's room into my clothing store and accessories. I would put like price tags on everything in our closets and like years later we would find these price tags. Um, <laughs> And I grew up in an apartment complex and I used to always walk over with my mom or my dad to pay our rent bill. And I just loved being in the office. 
So I used to pretend I had Barrington Rentals, this like luxury apartment <laughs> complex that I own. <laughs> um, so I always knew I wanted to be a business owner and thankfully it had worked out. But um, really up until I got my real, real job, I kind of didn't know where I was going to fall into. But my first job was at this place, Fantasia. Um, it was in Rockland County. It was an indoor arcade, mini golf, user tag. It was like birthday parties. So I was a hostess for these birthday parties. Um, I remember that place. Yeah. And a lot of my friends worked there, but I also loved being with kids. Um, so kind of, you know, it was fun because I was with all my friends. But at the same time, you know, you're a hostess for parties. How bad could that be? So that was my first job. I love it. What about you, Court? Well, um, the complete opposite of Jerry. And that my first, my first thing that I really wanted to be was an actress, which has no, you know, uh, meaning in terms of helping the world. But um, it was pretty much because of my older sisters. Some of you know I have a half sister who was an actress, so that was, you know, the thing that I was supposed to do. Um, as I got a little bit older, I kind of gravitated more towards being a psychologist, which. That was not where I ended up going, but that's what I kind of wanted. But um, initially it was acting, which I know, and oh, my younger, my older daughter will probably follow in those steps the way she is, but definitely not for me. Um, so, and then my first job, oh gosh, it was as a dishwasher at the Red Maple um, <laughs> with Marissa as the waitress, and I couldn't get promoted to being a waitress. Nope, because so. I was in her spot. Too bad. <laughs> A dishwasher. Uh, so I, I quickly left that job and went uh, to work at the pharmacy down the street where I was, uh, you know, had a little more high profile behind the register cashier. So, yeah. You also you know, did a lot of deliveries and became very, very good at knowing where you were going. I did. It taught me how to navigate uh, the map and actually understand the town I lived in and how to get places. So yeah, I admittedly have very fond memories of putting all the dishes from the table in front of you, though. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, all my friends. Marissa and two of our other friends were waitresses, and I had to be the dishwasher. So uh, <laughs> that wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the red meatball. The maple. The red maple. maple. Red maple. Oh. <laughs> red Italian. Delicious. No. no. Did, <laughs> how did you like pasta nights? Remember when they did that? The red maple. Yeah. Um, no, and what's funny about what you guys did is Marissa, like that, is that I was the waitress at Friendly's. My one best friend from high school was the hostess, and my other one did the ice cream. Mm -hmm. So we, like, also strategically all worked at the same Friendly's just to, like, pretend that we could hang out, which is probably why I got fired. Shockingly, <laughs> you were smarter than me as the second child. My job started at 6 a.m., and I had to pick up the bagels at quarter to, quarter to 6 on Saturdays. So that's you, were, you were fairly wise in your choice. As I like to say, Marissa does everything first. The only thing I've ever done first is become an aunt. Everything else she's done first. And then I just follow in her footsteps and either change my mind or do the exact same thing. Um, anyway, Alicia, what about you? What did you want to be when you grew up? So it's funny because it's like, I think I would always say, oh, I knew I wanted to help people and blah, blah, blah. But I don't really know that I knew what I wanted to do, but my daughter reminded me because she has started to like draw these sketches like fashion designing 
And I was like, oh my God, I did that when I was like probably right around her age. And I remember I got like a portfolio and I would draw these outfits and I was like, I'm going to be a fashion designer. And I like totally blacked out that memory until she started doing it recently. So I think I actually wanted to be a fashion designer for a while. Um, but then I went into the, I want to help people kind of theme, which obviously led me to where I am now. So yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to be. And my first job was at uh, a convenience store in our town, Harrington Park. And I worked like behind the deli counter and I sold people cigarettes when it was like still cool to buy cigarettes. And I don't know, I made a lot of sandwiches for our friends and didn't charge them. And I don't know. <laughs> your, your job, your job was real after school special. You had some moments there, probably primed you for your career. Um, I did. And also, I would like to chime in about your fashion design. Your downstairs basement was always an arts and craft shop. Yes. So whenever yes. we would come over to play, in addition to your mother having every single solitary food in the supermarket available for us to eat, we could also make anything we wanted. In yeah, the my mom took a job at... Um, was it called like the rag shop and it was like yeah. an arts and crafts store and so she would bring home like the most obscure things like fake flowers and this and that and we would just make a lot of stupid things but yeah it was fun but i could see where that could come from so this is you know what i jamie and i always talk about um everybody went right mm -hmm. yeah. um other than me my first real job was at a bagel store um and also mr jansen's office which was above the store not the store that you worked in, but a different store. We had two stores in our town, and both were called the store. Um, or oh, one like was that. called this store, one was called the, the convenience store. store. No, the convenience Sorry. store. Let me, let me differentiate. The and we didn't have a traffic the... light until I was like 12, and it was like a thing. It was like, Harry's Park's getting a traffic light. <laughs> so I, we always like to show the connection between your interests as a child and how they develop and then how you're using them in your real life work. And I think it's really fun for me because thinking about each of you, it makes a lot of sense, but I've never really given it a ton of thought. I mean, Jerry really makes it difficult for me to put one and one together and get two if she wanted to be a lawyer since she was three years old. But, um, <laughs> you know, usually someone, when I interview kids, when I'm in the, out of the classroom, there are always one or two children that will say they want to do one thing in particular. And those are usually kids that stay true to it. So if you want to be a lawyer at in third grade, chances are you end up really wanting to do that. The same with kids that want to be a teacher. Um, usually if they've wanted to be a teacher since they were very little, chances are they become teachers, which is really, really fun to watch. And not that I ever took anything more than one class in anthropology, but I've enjoyed that piece of it. So yeah, you know, there's certain things, there's certain things that you end up doing, like Courtney saying, like, what's funny, Court, is that you, you know, um, kind of shoot away the thought where you're like, then I thought I wanted to be in psychology, but you're in a, you know, a senior level player now in advertising and media, which is so psychological about what a consumer does and thinks. So you don't necessarily think about that on a day to day, but our audience sometimes does, right? If you're a new grad or if you're looking to change careers, you really dig deep and you'll notice some of their questions today. And we'll get back to a couple of them, but like who we really are as a human being can sometimes very much dictate who you are professionally and vice versa, especially now where it's much more, um, you know, I guess comfortable to be our authentic selves at work. So, and we'll talk about that too, but I think some of the things that we either chose to be or what we wanted to be can dictate who we are now. So my, yes, my dream job was always to be a dance teacher 
and it's funny, I've done things like that now, or I can say that I side hustle and dance and that's something that fulfills that dream. But if you watch my senior year video where we all got interviewed and I watched it recently at a reunion, what I want to do when I grow up, like when I'm older, it was like, I wanted to be an, you know, an ad exec or like work in communications. And that was my major. And here I am hosting a podcast. So it's not that different than what I said when I was 17. Um, I just to build on that, my major in college was psychology. So I really actually thought, you know, and the truth is now just more from the management side of things. Um, I definitely use a lot of it. So there Mm -hmm. is a lot of psychology behind, you know, managing my team and interacting with my boss and managing up and managing down. That's the psychology. And even probably in sales as you're trying to read a room and trying to, you know, understand other people. Um, so there is a lot to that to that. So if somebody's out there and has a psychology major, it, it can easily go into a, a business. Need a lot of different areas. Agree. Um, so we typically spend some time here talking about like your internships and things like that. And the interest of time, because there's so many of us would rather maybe talk a little bit about how you got to where you are now. So you went from your first job in friendlies or, you know, for me at a day camp or, you know, getting bagels at 5 a.m. Um, you know, if, if you don't guys, you know, if all of you don't mind just walking us through fast, you know, how you then got to where you are now or deciding that you wanted to make a career and what you're doing now um, versus, you know, the little girl, you know, doing fashion design in their basement. Um, so I don't know who wants to start. Doesn't matter. We can go in the same order. I, I want to start with Alicia because I think out of anybody I know professionally, she has been loyal and at her <laughs> organization um, for God, I don't want to carry the one or regroup for you to throw back to the there. You've been there for quite some time, probably almost as long as we know each other before, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and in all fairness, from my vantage point, it is very, very rare to meet anyone of our generation and certainly anyone younger than our generation to stay anywhere for a long period of time. So I think it would be nice for you to share. Yeah, um, because I do know that your job changed, ebbed, flowed, and you know you got your master's through it. All this different stuff that I think is extremely inspirational about loyalty. Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny, like as Jamie was saying, to make the connections. And although I, this has nothing to do with wanting to be a fashion designer, but I, Marissa alluded to, you know, I worked at a convenience store, but you know, it was a uh, what is it, a Friday night special or whatever it is. But um, what she's alluding to is when I was working at the convenience store, I got held up, which sounds more traumatic than it, it was. But we, and the funny thing about it was that the convenience store was across the street from a police station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whoever did this wasn't the smartest of people. But anyway, so, you know, I just, there's always been this thing, either I'm drawn to it or it's drawn to me, but the like crisis stuff. And so, you know, going to college, I was a psych major, sociology minor, um, you know, definitely knew I want, I thought I was going to, you know, be a psychiatrist. And then I kind of didn't want to commit to going to that much school. And I decided social work, I took a social work class my senior year, loved it, um, and really wanted to do more of a broader thing. And so I went into social work and I got my master's from NYU, um, like right out of college, went straight for my master's. 
and then, you know, did an internship actually at the hospital here where I still work. But my internship was working with substance abuse um, clients. And so I was doing like one of those 28 day rehabs and and counseling. Um, And then I did a little stint on like an inpatient medical unit. I hated it. And I was like, get me back to the substance abusers. I liked it more there. Uh, but then I needed a job and there was an opening in inpatient medical surgical and I took it cause I needed a job. I needed to pay rent. I actually lived with Courtney <laughs> and, um, I, um, started here as like on an inpatient, uh, unit and I started in May and in September was nine 11. And so I literally followed the trauma and watched the towers fall from my office window and, um, you know, lived through that and then was like, okay, I got thrust into it really being such a green social worker. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but you know, you do that and then you're like, oh, I could do anything now. And then we had blackouts happen and then we had hurricane Irene and then we had Superstorm Sandy and it's just been like one after the next and now living through a pandemic. So I sort of, what do you mean? What pandemic? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so yeah. And through that, I've, although Marissa's right, I'm like the most boring person that's had the same job for 19 years, but it's never boring here clearly. Um, and I've always challenged myself. So I, I've, went to FEMA and got FEMA trained and I got, um, another degree in bioethics. And, um, I did that while I was like pregnant with my third kid, like living in a shoebox was like horrible decision, but I did it. And I keep like challenging myself to make sure that I stay on top of stuff and what's current. But for the most part, I've sort of grown up here and, um, I keep taking different positions and in senior management now, and now I'm running the department and I took on, um, the nurse case managers this past summer. So now I supervise not only social workers but nurses so it's you know it's just always evolving and there's just always something going on in healthcare. so even though I've been here my whole career pretty much um it's really felt like 10 different jobs it's it's fascinating and I'm sure all of us probably have like 1,000 questions about what you've experienced in the last few months because I'm guessing the last few months have felt, not to put words in your mouth, but probably felt like a decade in addition to the time that you have put in because I know how old we all feel. Sorry if I'm putting words in any of your mouth. But um, the last few months have been extremely, extremely, um, there's no words, right? So, you know, for you to be balancing that intense job and then also um, being a mom of a household of three, um, are there any, is there anything really, like, what's your favorite thing about your job that makes you be able to do it? Um, and also then still stay inspired to be, go home and manage that household, uh, especially right now. Is there anything like in the last three months, other than being able to leave your children behind and get into a regular world and do all the stuff that we weren't <laughs> able to do? Is there anything like, could you sum it up in a sentence that, that, you know, that you feel has been able to keep your lights on all these years? Oh, it's so hard. To, um, I would say, you know, I, I, some, one of my um, old supervisors always used to say to me, like, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. So, you know, it's like, I live in that constant nonstop, you know, world. And it's, it's not by chance. I have three kids. Like I grew up with just one brother. Like, you know, it wasn't like I planned to have all these kids or anything, but 
I think that all just sort of found me along the way. And, you know, being able to do what I do here, I mean, I, I've spoken to so many people who, you know, I had to actually recruit to come back and work in the hospital when we were like really hurting and needing staff and they were petrified to come back here. And it was like, it was like a death sentence to them. Like you're putting me in such an unsafe situation. And it was, it was heart wrenching. It was really hard. But then I would say pretty much all of them after they were here, like the fear of the unknown was so much worse than, than the known. And then once they were here and felt like they were doing something that mattered, that helped, like where so many people are at home feeling like, I, there's nothing for me to do. Just sit here. Um, but being here really made me feel like, you know, there you were was doing your part. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were working. You were, you were, you were literally trying to flatten the curve, all of you. Yeah. And that, and I, I could never be a teacher. So I could not stay home and teach my children. <laughs> I can't do hey, it. Listen, you, have, you have patience for adults who have, have, have needs, right? So it's different. I mean, each to their own. Okay. Um, I'm sure we could all spend hours just listening to Alicia figure out how she's managed her life the last few months. And with that said, um, Jerry, uh, maybe talk a little bit about how you got to where you are. You were just, I hate to brag, but I'm going to, you were just published in, or someone just celebrated you in a magazine with a big accolade next to your name, correct? Would you care to share? Um, the New Jersey Law Journal gives awards or recognition to attorneys and law firms and departments for different various things. And um, I guess 30 other attorneys and I were named a new leader of the bar. I've only been doing this since 2006, but I'm new at it because in lawyer year, you know, that's how it is. You're like, you're like one. <laughs> right. They used to have like a 40 under 40 like award. And I think this took that place. So Wonderful. Right under the wire. Got it right in under the wire, which is very <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to GW and I had the thing that was nice about going to a school in the city is you ha get the opportunity to have a lot of internships. They like make that. Usually they don't schedule classes on Friday so that you could have internships. So I had like a, a lot of lovely um places that I landed. I worked for Congressman Pallone, I worked for a nonprofit. Um, organization called Friends of Cancer Research for a couple of years. I was a human services major, so it was a lot about nonprofit management and that, like, grant writing and all of that. Um, and then I worked at a law firm. Like, it's so lame. <laughs> not lame. By the way, that's not lame. It's just different. It's just different. Right. Yeah, I know, but it was I, good. I, I, well, there was luckily, a there are people like you because otherwise we'd all be making crafts in the basement. Right? <laughs> <laughs> there was a summer I worked, I interned. I definitely be still in Carol's basement making crafts. <laughs> Marissa <laughs> still makes crafts in her house. <laughs> I just <laughs> make crafts the other day. But I only make them at two in the morning. If you right. want to make crafts, I'm all, I'm ready for you at two a.m. <laughs> Marissa yep. made the um, the wedding photo like frames for my wedding, like for every table. I put her to work for everything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If there had been social media, then we wouldn't be on this call. That's okay. I'm not. I'm not even <laughs> about something else. It's fine. Okay. Sorry, Jerry. Go ahead. So the, I had a I had a internship at a law firm in New Jersey the, my freshman year. I came home from college and I got an internship and there was, they were so nice to me. It was an employment law department and they let me sit in all the meetings and like feel like a big kid. And like I sat in and there was a case where a grandmother um, 
her children had passed away in a car crash, leaving her grandchildren. And then her, one of her grandchildren got, had cancer. And so she had to take off all this time to, from work to take care of her grandchild. And she got fired from her job because she had taken off all this work. And so the conversation around the table was all like, you know, you know, does she have rights? Is she the legal guardian? Blah, blah, blah. And then the head of the department at the time said, listen, like this woman has been through so much, like so much. I think um, we, we were going to help her. We'll figure it out. We're going to get, you know, whatever she needs and we're going to help her. And it was like that moment for me that I was like, okay, I can be a lawyer. It really, they really do help people. Like, and I was like, okay, this is it. That's what I'm going to do. And so you remember that we talk often about what we call our aha moments. That was it for me. And I love that you remember yours so vividly. I mean, you were what, like 19 years old or 20 years old when that happened to you. And you remember hearing that story and deciding like, this is what I'm going to make my career out of. And interestingly enough, I'm sure there were many, many moments that perhaps would try to undo that moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> but when you stay true to what made your like, heart flutter in the first place, you know, it, 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 it's, very, it's, it's, it's an example of you too, you know, like Alicia, have been loyal. I mean, you have been, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have your resume in front of me, but you've been with relatively the same firms for a long time, correct? Yes, I've been um, at Sabre since 2007, so for a long time. Yeah. I love it there. Also, loyalty, but same, same thing. It's a wonderful place. You know, you find a place where you feel like you can do what you want to do and you have the, they give you the wings to get it done. And it's, you know, it's been, yeah, a, I think, I've been I think super it's lucky. so interesting to share with our audiences too, like the different types of industries we're dealing with here. I mean, I know Courtney can probably speak to this media in particular is not, is a very hard place to have a long tenure on the sales um, side that you're doing or the buying side, what you do, um, which you'll talk about in a minute, Court. But like, I, I have so much, um, I get so inspired by people who I see have that kind of tenure because it's so rare and it's so respected. And, but there are industries that are very known that were, that that's impossible to have. So when you do have it, it's even more ridiculous to see on a resume. Um, but you know, I do think that that's so interesting. We didn't even think that through necessarily when we curated the panel that we have two folks here that literally have spent their, almost their entire career at the same place. And then Courtney who can speak to having to make change in order to make change, um, which I think is super interesting. So not to cut you off, Jerry, were you done with your thought there? I know we said, um, okay, great. So Courtney, would you mind speaking to that a little bit? Like about how and you- then, And then Jody's I, like a, a hustler. Yeah, or felt inspired by what she was doing and went out on her own, which is similar to what Marissa and I do um, within reason under our family's guise. But Court, if you don't mind talking a little bit about how you got to where you are, but also maybe a little bit about that. Tenure. Well, you've, you've only had like one job. Oh yeah. Totally. And I look Courtney and I are like fairly close, I would say. And I looked her up for this call and I'm like, I don't even know if I knew you were at a different place. Like I, I think I lost something in between bliss and wherever. Um, so I was like, I don't know if I knew you were somewhere new, not new, but newer. Yeah. That one, I just decided to come. Well, I'll get to that in a minute, but yes. Um, you know, for me, Again, the whole psychology thing. So coming out of college, well, actually, I was still in college. Jamie and I had the pleasure of being camp counselors because I actually thought I wanted to work with children. Um, camp counselors together at Ramakoy, where I also went with Jody since we were little. Um, so, you know, I was kind of going in that realm. And then I was, I was going to just 
you know, graduate college and go be a, a work with children. And somehow or another, you know, I came back to New Jersey, all my friends from home were going into the city. It seemed really exciting. So I called Steve Klein and said, I need to get a job because I'm going to stay in New York. And um, so it's really because of choice that I actually got into the industry that I'm in. So I landed uh, a sales assistant job um, at a magazine and I reported. So happy my dad was able to help you because when I graduated, he could not help me. And as we've told this story 50 times on this podcast, he definitely couldn't help Marissa. Um, is why we've helped ourselves, but I'm so glad to hear. I don't know if I knew that about. And he also he also got Sam her first job. She got fired right after. But that's right. not for this podcast. Yeah, yeah well, right. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, interestingly, I just I took this job more more or less to just be able to live my life in the city. It wasn't really like you know what I had thought I was going to do. Um, I met. I, I reported to three people and one of them is to this day, one of my mentors, Suzanne Silver. Um, she's, oh, I love Suzanne. she, she kind of took me under her wing. I ended up babysitting her children. Like we're, we're family friends now. Um, anyway, she was on the media side previously at an agency and she decided to go back and, um, I didn't think I wanted to do sales. So I begged her to take me with her and she did. And so, that actually, that second job was the longest job I've ever been at. I was at that agency for five years, um, which was like a hundred years in <laughs> for everybody else. Um, so I was at that job for five years and, you know, eventually I felt I needed to kind of branch away from Suzanne because, you know, I was kind of just with her and I got another job at another small agency. And, you know, I sort of just fell into this career of media and I was on the agency side and I just, I kept getting promoted. I wasn't quite sure even how, to be honest, because I, it wasn't this passion. It was something, it was almost like a means to an end for a while. And I just kept going with it. And then I'd think I'd want to change. And then another job opportunity would come. And it literally was pretty much every like two to three years at max, max was three years. So usually about to every two years, another, you know, agency would recruit me and I'd say, Oh, it's going to be better here. And I'd go there and I'd, love it and I'd meet new people and then I wouldn't want to be there anymore and then the next thing would come and um you know and eventually you know as I mentioned earlier I live in Chicago so eventually I, I made an entire change of my life and picked up and moved here um I still stayed with the agency thinking oh okay well agency will be different in Chicago and so I went to three different agencies here and finally you know after um I had our first daughter, Alexa. my husband would always tell me he was in sales and he's like telling you, you need to go into sales. You know, the whole industry, just go. It's going to be so much better of a work life balance for you. And I just kept being like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do that. What do you mean? Like, I just, you know, he kept telling me to do it. And I was like, I can't. And after we had our first daughter, um, I kind of just had this breaking point of, I can't balance the media agency side of things anymore. Work-life balance was just not okay. Um, and, you know, I really, it, it took me until I hit that breaking point of like, okay, I'm going to make this change. And so I did go over to the sales side, but not even initially as a salesperson. It was sort of this bridged gap, new kind of um, title or, or position that was out there. It was really a strategy person that was going to sit on the sales side to kind of bridge the gap between the sales people and the agency people to really help support the sales team and get them to understand what goes on on the agency side. Well, psychologically, so, yeah, psychologically, psych major. Psych major. Look at me. So I spent right, it all together. That was my first, you know, side on the, on the sales side. And 
It was the first time in my entire, you know, corporate career that I loved going to work. <laughs> I really loved it. I, um, you know, I liked things about the agency side. There was times it gave me the, the excitement I wanted. Sorry, just for our audience, because I think it's interesting. How many years into your career was that, that you had that moment? 16 and a half years. 16 and a half years, she had a moment where she was like, I love going to work. Mm-hmm. If, nothing else, if that's not inspirational to somebody out there, I don't know what is. Because that, it just goes to show you that sometimes you you know, need something or having a daughter or, you know, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but you were fulfilled, you were fulfilled in a different way. So therefore your needs had shifted yeah. and you were able to find joy in things finally, perhaps because the storyline felt different. Yeah. yeah. And, and the truth is that the one thing that was missing from this job, that first job in sales was that I didn't get to manage people. And that was something that I loved from the agency uh-huh. side. So that is how I ended up at Bliss is that I then got recruited to now run a a sales team and actually be that lead in sales. Um, I had no intention of it happening. It literally came to me three weeks before I was supposed to return to work on my second maternity leave with our younger daughter. And I was like, this is, you know, sign, I'm going to take it. So I literally went back into the workforce in a new job. And now I really love going to work every day because I have a team and I love them and I love to manage and I love that side of things, but I like to, you know, um, be on the sales side and have a lot more autonomy, a lot more uh, flexibility to, to be a mom and to still have a, have a career. So. I love that. Well, Jody, I'd love to hear you. The opposite of like Alicia and Jerry in that sense. It's like, I listen to you guys and like, there is something on My cousin is somebody who like literally has been at the same job his whole career too. And he always makes fun of me. He's like, Oh, you got a new job. It's you know, a year. Can you get a new job? And like, I admire you guys so much too, because you've been in that same position, but it just, that wasn't my path. And my path that industry in all fairness, that industry would never allow that grace. I mean, maybe now, and we can talk about that too. You know, I don't know what work is going to look like now for so many of us. Um, I think a lot of us needed to make choices in the last several years that allowed us to balance our family. And I do believe that there'll be some real power in um, power and promise from the pandemic that will change the way everyone that used to do business a certain way to mm-hmm. be doing it better and in a more agreeable fashion. I, I, I pray and I hope, and I talk about this all the time because I can't imagine spending three months like that and then returning to our old ways. Cause that would be extremely wasteful. But you know, I think, I think no matter what, if you were interested in the media world or the fashion world to expect longevity or loyalty like that would be remiss. No matter what. It was just too difficult. Also with mergers and acquisitions and such that happen in media. Um, I remember when I worked at Turner, I was in CNN for so many years and there were so many people there that were like 18 years, 25 years. Um, and then since then, you know, they've merged several times and it's just too challenging to stay because people don't survive a merger. Or, so, you know, I think that that's a really interesting thing to show an audience like ours where there's people that we talk to that, are, you know, career shifters or moms going back to work or um, people looking for new jobs or new grads. And I think what's so inspirational is to hear so many different versions of a similar story, right? We're all 20, 15 to 20 years into our careers. And some of us have been at the same place and some of us had to jump around, but all in the quest of finding that same joy and balance. 
again, which we're going to talk about, you know, in a minute more in depth and, and in the interest of time, probably, unfortunately, fairly quickly. But Jody, I'd love to hear from you fast um, a little bit about how you got to where you are. And then you don't mind actually leading us into after that more of how it's been for you now, because um, I really want to talk about that layer and what it's been like the last several months. Um, so I was a marketing major and a psychology minor, um, which is interesting that a lot of us have that, um, in common Mm -hmm. and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with that. You know, when I said I wanted to be a business owner growing up, I didn't really know what that meant or where that was going to take me. Um, and while all my friends were doing internships all the time in New York city, I wanted to be at a job at home so I could be with my home friends while I was, you know, on break from college and stuff and in the summers. So when it was nearing graduation, I really didn't know where I was going or I wasn't setting up interviews. Everyone was running to the city and interviewing and I, I just, I wasn't. And it was interesting because one of my best friends from college, her family friend came up for graduation. We started having a conversation. Her best friend owned a market research company in New York City. They happened to be looking for an assistant manager. So she put me in um, contact with the owner of that facility. And I think I went in for two interviews to meet with, it was a family owned business. So it was a small company. So it was a husband and wife and their daughter who ran the New York city office, which was fairly new at the time. Um, And that was like my third interview in total after college. And that was where I had my entire career until I opened up my own facility. So it's also kind of funny that a lot of us I have- I think been- that is such, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think that is such a testament to one of our favorite mantras, which we'll talk about mantras in a minute too, which is to say yes, right? So here you are, we talked about this the other night when we were talking on the other call we were on together. Um, you know, as, as most of you know, and our audience knows, we've created this networking community called the Dreamcatchers Web because there's so many different people right now that are kind of floundering. So we brought them all together. And one of the things we talked about on our call with them the other night was this ability to say, yes. you know what, why not? And I think that you had this opportunity to say yes to an interview because you had no other real options. And here you are now you made an entire career out of just being open-minded. So I think that that's something really important to share because especially now, especially now where people like don't know what they're going to do next if they've been furloughed and they see a job opportunity that maybe is not on their radar um you just never know right you went you had a good conversation with these people and they made your entire career and quite frankly changed your life because then you decided to make your own you know facility out of it um so anyway i'm sorry to interject but i just love those types of stories i find that so inspirational too because had you not gone on that interview who knows what would have happened and it was, it was funny, just a really quick, funny story from, I was supposed to start, I think it was like July 19th or something. And they asked me to come in a couple of days early. Um, the owner was also a moderator and one of his big accounts was the Long Island Railroad. And they were doing interviewing on the trains, the double-decker trains, which I guess were barely new at the time. So they put me in this like orange and yellow, like jacket that, you know, <laughs> people wear on the trains to interview people. And that was my first two days 
of work coming from Rockland County the city to go out to like Hop Hog Long Island and I'm thinking to myself what did I just get myself into by the way and for those of you listening that don't live in the tri-state area that would be like the first time you ever went to work going somewhere an hour and a half away when you've never really done that before to go somewhere two hours away in traffic on a train in fluorescent colors <laughs> But it was, it was, you know, whatever. I was like, all right, this is part of the job. It is what it is. What are you going to do? Um, but it was great. And I realized that it was incorporating the two things that I liked. It was, it was business, but it was also psychology because I was dealing with clients and I was dealing with respondents who are the people that participate. So I was dealing with people day in and day out, and I kind of found it fascinating. Plus, we were dealing with new product launches or revamping of products. And I got really excited when I would see an ad that we tested that then all of a sudden is in a magazine. Like, that was just amazing to me. And um, it, nine years later, when my now business partner approached me about opening our own facility, and it took about a year to convince me to leave New York City, walking to the office to now drive to New Jersey, where I never thought that I would live, <laughs> have a business. Um, and we took the plunge. We said we, we truly, truly felt we could do it. So um, did the Jersey office come before moving to New Jersey? Yes. I commuted for almost six years, um, which wasn't as bad as, as, you know, driving into the city every day. But it definitely added another layer, um, especially, you know, you're out late, you got to wake up early, you got to get to the office. I was in my early 30s. But it, it, I was, I learned a lot in my first job. I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do as a business owner, what's important to do as a business owner. So I feel like it was a huge stepping stone for where I am now. Um, and New Jersey was opened in 2008 and then we opened New York City in 2019 so we had it for a while and the name of your firm Jody because I don't know if we've said it uh decision drivers which was I'm sorry what go ahead no you go ahead to my business partner's mother was a moderator who unfortunately passed away like I think almost 15 years at this point and that was his parents company name so since they were based in New York, we were able to use it in New Jersey. And I just felt like it was just really good karma. And I just felt like his mom was like watching down on us and helping us start and, and have, you know, be successful and everything. So I love that. The name, the name means a lot to us. Um, so New York City is just Decision Drivers NYC. Um, we didn't feel like we needed to change it. But um, so, yeah, so then we took the plunge to New York City. I wanted to, you know, once I got married, I wanted to have children. So I didn't feel like I could do both well. And I felt like if we were going to do it, we both really needed to be in it. Um, so we kind of waited till we were both ready to, you know, say, let's just, let's do it. And we found the space. We opened up New York City uh, last July. So thankfully it was going well. Unfortunately, obviously, the last three months have been quite interesting. Um, but the way we've been handling that is, thankfully, since technology is so advanced, more so than when I started this job in 1999, um, where everything was faxed at that time, and you had to pray that the fax came in in its entirety, um, has allowed us to do as much work as possible online with obviously the help of Zoom. Everyone's so familiar with Zoom now, but there's also a lot of video streaming companies that provide platforms to be able to do online focus groups. 
So even though the end client kind of had to reconfigure maybe how they wanted to present things or, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff is, is touch. Like you see the product. In so obviously we couldn't do that now because they weren't going to send everyone the products. So a lot of them are prototypes. Um, they just had to figure out how they were going to do it. So there was definitely a lull in the beginning, which was scary for us. You know, since we now have two locations, we have a lot of overhead. We didn't know what we were going to be responsible for paying, if we were going to get loans, things like that. Um, but once everyone kind of had a second to breathe and pause and, and figure it out, we have slowly seen an uptick in the amount of work we've had from March to April to May to June. Um, and New Jersey, we're opening, uh, I think, beginning of July, like right after July 4th weekend. Uh, and hopefully New York City will follow after that. So we're, we, we kind of feel like we're on the other side of it. So while I'm so happy to say I was a very different person in April, um, now I feel we're going to make it. We're going to survive. It's just going to be a different beast how we, how we conduct focus groups. Probably a lot will still stay online, which is fine. Um, but yeah, we just thankful. We're thankful that we were able to do things online because obviously not everybody. I think what's so interesting about your business and so many, you know, Marissa and I have talked to you throughout this has been so interesting to see how businesses can pivot. Right. So, you know, I, I'm assuming I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing depending on what it is that you are testing, um, as long as the focus group has the product to, in their hands or some or can experience it in some way, even virtually, and then discuss it. That's all you really need. So like, if you really think about it, there's so many industries, they don't actually need to be in person to do. And I think that has been such an, I mean, Jerry's doing court appearances from her bedroom. Like it's, it's sorry, wild. Alicia. <laughs> sorry, Alicia. But it is wild. No, there are certain industries, of course, that are not able to be done virtually, of course, but there are so many that no one thought ever in a million years could be. And they've been able to figure out ways to do it. Um, no, but even even in healthcare, like you mentioned, it's like I've had to figure out how people can work remotely. And it's been so interesting. And for some populations here, like our mental health population, our domestic violence um, victims, like they prefer some of the telehealth stuff. And telehealth, which was like really couldn't get off the ground before now, is like booming and you know there's less stigma attached for people to not have to sit in a waiting room you know to see a counselor or a therapist or valid you know so there are some things that even in healthcare we're really switching i mean there are certain things we obviously can only do on site but i really had to shift for like a lot of my staff to do a lot of remote work also so it, I it, it affects everything i actually went on a dermatologist website today to make myself an appointment Marissa, I can't see Dr. Morgan till October. Um, and I, I'm like, what month is it? October. Like, that's my, your first appointment for like, a, just a scan. Like, can you just look at, so then they told me they can look at my moles over Zoom. I'm like, first of all, that would require a robe and I'm not sure what else. So like, dear Dr. Morgan, like, I'm unsure I would do that on a computer right now, but um <laughs> You can. So, like, if you want to show him something what a, specific. What a visual. What a visual. We right? Are. I'm like, yeah, sure. take it all off. Like, I'm like, anything. I mean, anything's better than those bright lights and the sweat of a dermatologist's office, as all of us have probably experienced. So I was like, maybe I could do that over telehealth. I mean, but I rem- I literally just saw that right before this call, and I, I X'd it out because I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I'll wait till October. 
But it's interesting to even see that, like so many different um, industries are shifting. With, uh, this is going down a probably TMI situation, but my, my daughter, my younger daughter had um, a situation that I normally would bring her into the doctor for, but it wasn't something that was like emergency. So the doctor did a Zoom call, you know, and so there I am, I literally was like on a Zoom call for work and then hung up and then Zoomed in the doctor and had a put the camera on the rash (laughs) and it was bizarre (laughs) and weird. And I was like, is this really happening right now? But you know, it is, it's true. And then there's truth to the business world too, is like, we talked about it, you know, even in our company, like my job, I mean, I was going to have to travel quite a bit coming up soon because I'm covering the entire central region. Well, now we figured out, Oh, how much money can you save on not putting people on planes and hotels People can have these conversations. You can do sales over the phone. Now, is it, is it going to return to a degree? Yes, because there's always that human interaction and you can get more when you're in person. But you realize how much you can actually still accomplish in this situation. So it is interesting how it's all going to evolve and how much travel will really be there for an industry like sales where it's always been based on in-person meetings, in-person meetings. I mean, the sure. agencies aren't even opening. I mean, they're not going to open until next year probably. So we're going to have to continue to kind of function this way. And I know, I mean, Alicia, your husband does what I do. So it's the same thing. Like, you know, they, you might be sitting there, but he's, you know, doing calls like this constantly all day long. That's it. Yeah. So speaking of constant and all day long, um, while we brought you all together and, and obviously your careers are incredibly fascinating, but let's talk about what a day has looked like and, or what a day now looks like, thankfully, and or what is still not amazing about today. Um, when you're balancing all of these Zoom calls and all of this professional pivot and having conversations where we actually feel like grown-ups for a moment, which is nice, um, with our number one job, which is the people that are behind those doors behind all of us, um, except for Alicia. So, Jody's um, is wide open. Mine's yeah. locked. Jody's door is open. I don't even know where I did it. is busy. Um, here, look, I have this sign. Where is it? Oh, God, I can't. There. Okay. Oh, it says, I am busy. So, yeah, I'm busy. so talk us through, Jerry, um, start a little bit about balancing your day um, and what it's looked like and like a high, a high and a low, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Jerry's in if, if, if low is not good to share, that's okay, too. Um, you know, so lawyers bill by, by, you know, time that they spend. And so that's an important part of our job is to be able to do the work for our clients great and well, but for our firm, it's to be able to bill enough time so that we're profitable. Right. So, um, I get up at five 30 in the morning. I work till about eight until they get up. I feed them breakfast. I teach them school. My husband is also an attorney. So, um, it's miserable. <laughs> um, Don't mess with the Paganos. Uh, yeah. My, and my son did negotiate anybody. If ever, he took the same courses we did in law school for negotiations. It's intense in my house, but, um, you know, it's just trying to get through the day and get as much work as we possibly can done, do and not 
um, spend enough time with the kids where they get, learn what they need to learn. I now am very, I feel like I relearned what Pentagon, hex. I like forgot all my shapes. Like what's a parallel? Oh quadrilaterals, rhombics, trapezoid. Yes, done. By the so, way, I have a second grader and didn't partake in any of those things. <laughs> Hashtag second kid. Okay, next. <laughs> Right. Um, my kindergartner was way better. It was much easier to roll with her. But, um, you know, it was like a struggle. And we would tell each other at the beginning of the day, like, who had calls when, when we were going to have to do what we had to do. We tried to map it out. Most days we did okay. A lot of days, you know, I would end up losing my mind. You know, it was very stressful. It's stressful to be there for your family and for your you know, work at the same time. It just was a really difficult situation. The bright side is I never in, you know, I, we don't eat dinner with our kids. I got to eat dinner with my kids every night for the last 90 days. Like that is like a real blessing for me. Cause I haven't had that since of maternity leave. Like you don't get that kind of time with your family. No. So you know, they have terrible table manners. Like I didn't know there's like, <laughs> using pencils. like ah, who is raising them. So I don't know. <laughs> There's a scene in Pretty Woman. Are they two? They're probably not. It's not appropriate to show them Pretty Woman, but there is a scene. There's four times, and sometimes there's three times. (laughs) Of course, Jamie knows all the words. So it's been a real struggle. I mean, I think, you know, communication with your, your spouse is like the number one. It, and it's always bad, in my opinion. <laughs> and by the way, the reason why all of our spouses are not on this interview is because we've all killed them. They're all missing. Sorry. He's locked out. He's locked out with the bed. I don't care where you are, mommy. Don't bother me. But um, uh, yeah, so it's been a struggle. But I think you know we're lucky. Like we have a house and we have food and we are fine and we keep we have our jobs and there's so many blessings and so many good things and that's every minute that there was like a real downturn. It was like take take a beat. There's my mantra. Take a beat. I love it. That's her favorite. And just so like good. remember what's important and like that you have to you know just get through it. And I think you know that I I know for you you're not doing that commute. Which, by the oh way, God. I mean, when you're working all those hours, I'm sure. And then I think all of us are going to have to navigate that. Like, I'm working more at weird times and less and strange. And, you know, the, the systems, the systems feel different, right? Yeah. But, like, you're not going back and forth to your office in Newark every day and taking that yeah. train very late. And, like, maybe, just maybe, when but we get through all this, it, it'll, look, it'll look different. I mean, right. one of the... A conversation that I have had with Jerry in my life is that you did not know where your car was. You <laughs> forgot you left it. You didn't even know how you got to work. You forgot where you left your car. I mean, this is what working women do. Like we do so much that we literally lose our car. Okay. Like, like we forgot. Yeah. It but you know what? When you was on the day you forgot the car, you might have remembered Courtney's birthday. I just was about to say, Marissa, I, my favorite thing to say sometimes as a working mom, and I'm sure you all can agree, is one in, one out, right? If I remembered lunch for somebody, I definitely forgot to, like, pick up the dry clean. Like, it's like one or the other. Like, there's no room for all the things. And I think one of the things that has 
I've been taught by this time is that we're all in it together, right? There are days as people have asked me now, how many times, like, how has it been? Right. It's been, most days have been okay. Most, some are amazing. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I don't have to wake up the same time. I don't have to commute the same way. I can be with my kids at dinner. And then there's those handful that are mommy dearest, next level beyond, like, like, like I'm going to, like, Dyfus, like, bad. <laughs> you know? And then you're like, and then you're like, stop focusing on those bad days because there's enough good ones where you're like, I got this. Like, this is going to be okay. Um, and the more moms I would talk to, I'm like, some days I'm just like lost my total mind. Courtney, yeah. do you have a mantra to balance um, everything? Well, I have kind something of that you've done that's inspired you throughout this time to stay balanced. And granted, you just had a baby last year. Um, you, you, you have your family of four, you're under your roof, you're in Chicago. Chicago's had a really rough couple of weeks. What, what? allows you to stay focused um you know yeah it's it's definitely been quite a few months I mean I feel like you know Jamie I'm listening to you and you guys like having a baby who's one or you know leading into this it was like nine months to one um and then a four and a half year old and having to work full-time and my husband's in school full-time and um, it was nothing short of, if I'm allowed to curse on a shit show, I mean, it just was, it was, yeah. you know, the first week was a complete disaster. We did come up with a schedule. We split up the time. Um, mm-hmm. but I did not, ha- I had many more of the mommy dearest moments mm-hmm. <laughs> than not. Um, but I think I was also on autopilot because you just, you have to survive. You just go, you don't think you can do Survival it. Mode. And every mm-hmm. time they'd extend the, the, you know, they're not going back and we're keeping lockdown. I would like come undone and at the same time all I wanted was my kids to be safe um and then of course you know they go back and the first day my my kid goes back there's you know riots going on and, and she's wearing a mask and she has some weird dream and whatever so it was it's definitely been you know challenging but I think to get through it there's there's two mantras I've had one since I moved here which is change of any sort sort takes courage um, so that's kind of helped me is like to accept the fact that there's change and this has brought change for all of us and and we all just kind of have to go through it because that's life. And the other one is something my dad used to always say, which is, you know, life throws you stuff all the time and you have to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and start over again. Um, he actually said that in my bat mitzvah speech. So um, I, I constantly kind of try to focus on those and just take a deep breath and get through the next day. Um, with my children going back to school, you know, everyone actually that first day was like, oh my God, you must feel like you're on vacation. And the truth is the first, it took me until probably about the end of last week to even feel somewhat normal. It was like, there was so much traumatic like overlay from what just happened that I did wasn't even digesting what the hell we were doing. It was just complete survival mode. Um, and now, you know, we're returning to normal, but you know, my four and a half year old goes to school with a mask and I have to watch pictures of that. And that's, you know, and she does it like a champ, but it's, um, it's a little bit heartbreaking to, you know, know that they're just going into that situation, but it's for the best. And, you know, my, my one-year-old didn't even remember her 
for daycare people. So the for, for the first week, I'm literally like handing her through like a door and she's hysterical crying and I just have to be like, bye, because I can't even comfort her. Um, but you know what? Two weeks in, my children's behavior is much better. Um, our house we is- all better. need the teachers and the daycare workers to come back into our lives. I literally- there Come is. on, New York. Come on, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Governor Pritzker did a really good job here. Um, you know, hopefully it stays. Um, you know, hopefully if we do have to go into lockdown again, it's a while away. So my PTSD from it can be removed. But, you know, at the same time, it's like what you guys said. It's like, you know, we have our health. We have each other. There have been beautiful moments that have, have happened. I shouldn't say it's all bad. Um, it, I just was in a different position because I have such a young child um, that, you know, we just were kind of on autopilot, but you know what, we did it. And I think that's, you know, the, the truth in it is like, you feel like, oh gosh, I didn't think I, I, week one, I was like, they need to open up the schools like yesterday. I cannot do this. And then you do it for three months and you're like, all right. You know, I mean, they told us it was a two week thing and I was crushed. Yeah. LOL. Yeah. You know what? I, um, the other day we did like a drive by say goodbye to our pre-k teacher and i have lost it a couple times throughout but i haven't really like cried cried the way that i did that day because just pulling up to the school and like seeing the principal and like all of it just like came down on me because i was like i can't believe we've been doing this this long like i i i've been over by the school but just being there in that environment was just like it's crazy and you're 100 right like we've we did it like yeah. we're still doing it, but we did it. And it's new normal and, is, you know, your kids are going to show up on a zoom call or, you know, you, I, I literally had to turn off my camera one day and change a dirty diaper while I was presenting something to my entire sales organization. It's just, what I, I mean, you know what, if there's never been a time to show your true authentic self in a professional professional capacity, um, we've we finally timed up on that so there i have said several times the silver lining in um or the lemonade out of this lemon situation has been the fact that we are finally being able to share together with generations or people that are maybe not in our current stage of life just what we're doing over here um and i think i think there's something really empowering about that. And Jody, what, what what would you say? I mean, you own your own company. You have a little girl. I mean, you have two offices. Tell us, like, how is it? How are you managing? Or give us a mantra. Tell us something to hang on to. Decision drive with us. Which I saw in one of the studios that I teach classes at, um, my spin classes, was today is a good day for a good day. And I feel like on the days where I was having my mommy dearest moments and we're all screaming and then you like feel so guilty that I'm like screaming at my husband, I'm screaming at my daughter and it's probably for no good reason, or maybe it is. So I would wake up the next day and it's just, today is a good day for a good day. And you just have to like leave that the, the terrible day from yesterday in the past and move on and try to learn from it. I think for me, the hardest thing was feeling like I had a, you know, teach, you know, be a teacher and I had to do it perfectly. And then I had to figure out what's going on with my business and I had to do that perfectly. And I have to take care of my household and I have to do that perfectly. So I was putting all of this insane, unrealistic pressure on myself to be this perfect person in quarantine when we have no idea what's going on with life and when we're going to get back to, you know, any of it. And it took me a while to, and a couple of breakdowns to say, your daughter's four and a half. 
you're really lucky she's at an age that you really don't need to sit down and do like seven hours of schoolwork with her. So do what you can. She's a child. Like she was starting to get nervous to give us the wrong answers to things. And once I started really recognizing that, I felt horrible and I'm doing her such a disservice because she was doing fine at school. Like I know that she, she knows her numbers. She knows her letters. She's, you know, she loves playing. She loves creating. Like I see how she, the stories she comes up with, with her Barbies and Paw Patrol and this and that and her American Girl dolls. So once I finally was able to say, take a breath, it doesn't have to be perfect. If she's in her pajamas all day, like who cares? You know, as long as you get through the day and you do what you need to do and she's happy, that is the most important. And I haven't been home with her like this since I've been on maternity leave and I will never be home with her like this probably ever again. So I wish I learned it a little sooner. Um, but now that I'm here, I'm like, oh God, I'm going back to, you know, into the office every day in like three weeks. So I'm just trying to say my, my business is doing better and like I said, in the beginning, in the beginning, we, I was scared. I'm like, what, what, I don't know. I don't know who I am without this career. This, this has been my entire working career since I graduated college. What am I going to do if this fails or if we can't reopen or we can't survive this? And I think once I got over that and I felt confident that we will be okay and we'll just have to adapt and in person will happen again, it'll just look different and we'll continue to do online. I was also able to say like, you need to let your child be a child and I'm stressing her out and she sees that I'm stressed out. So she's, it just, it was just, as you said, Courtney, it was a shit show. Jody, I'm so glad you said that though, because I did the same thing to myself with the perfect and like our daughters are my older daughters. And you know, it's, it is like, you're sitting on these zoom calls and you know, I'm listening like these three other children who have stay at home moms, like the kids are all reading and like Alexa's like struggling. And meanwhile, I know she's very smart and can do whatever. She was just not into, she didn't want to do the zooms anymore. And I found myself getting the same way. And until I let it go and I was like, I just no longer care whatever it is and sure enough she went back to school and she's fine she's doing whatever she was doing so i think that pressure that we put on ourselves oftentimes it's all of us no matter what situation we're in to be perfect and have to do everything exactly this way and it has to be this way it is it is i do it to myself all the time you guys probably all do it to yourselves and it's this was a true test of just like you know what there's a freaking pandemic that's global right now like give yourself a break give yourself a break (laughs) and i think it's like the mom guilt that we all have all the time because you know it's like we would our old routine was get up everyone rush to get ready get out the door get her to daycare get to work do everything we need to do get home make dinner clean up do the laundry everything was a race it was just like a rat race to like, to what, what was like the finish line, you know? And so then yeah. where were we going? Right. right. And so now and we, we had nowhere to go. I think we finally realized where we were going. Right. Ooh, that was very deep. I liked that. Yeah. Um, Alicia, I'd love to hear from you, your version of that, because it's a lot different than the rest of us. And then and I, can... and it's not, it's not an accident that, that I, and we intuitively saved you for last because I, I think that, that your point of view, I'm sure you find healing in hearing everybody else's version as well. I have to switch you. I can't see you because I got to move you so I can see your face. Um, I, I say all the time, or I have said, being a working mother, especially now, is a choice. Literally, every choice you make means that you're focusing on something and letting go of something else. 
And I say that to myself, by the way, I am guilty as all hell of the perfection thing. I preach not to do it and I do it every single day. And every single day I have to control Jody that I don't do that to myself, that I don't hold myself accountable to such a high standard. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know, old habits die hard, I guess. But I will say like each choice we make, something else goes. So if I focus on this call right now, while we're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder what Summer's doing. It's been a long time that she's outside. Hope they're okay. Sunscreen, whoops. You know, like, and that's exactly a moment. It's a true, honest thought. I chose to be focused in present here. Summer may have a sunburn. Direct release. So I think of you and I think of you getting up every day and your husband home with three, three little girls and you being, you know, uh, in the hospital, in the PPA mask, which you're not wearing right now, um, but, you know, doing the things that we are all watching from our couches. Tell us. Tell us what, it, what it's like to hear us all talking while you were out there doing what you needed to do. No pressure. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, it's so interesting because as you're all talking, I'm like, feeling all the same things you guys have all felt it's just you know maybe a different way and like for me it started where it was just so much all at once and it was like i was just racing through the days and like working nonstop, and i didn't have time to really stop and process anything like i was just go 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 and i have an amazing husband who just took the reins. I mean, we, our nanny, we kept her home quarantined for five weeks. So we had no help. He was like literally doing zoom calls with like a toddler running around naked in the background, you know, pausing to put our kids on zoom. Like none of our kids were independent to just like figure out school from home. So like all those things he took on and I felt tremendously guilty, but it was just like, I didn't have time to breathe and stop for any of that. And then as things slowed down and we realized like this was going to be the new norm, you know, I started to like figure out similar, like of the mantra of like, it just has to be good enough. Right. Like I can't micromanage all this from home. I tried to make the boards and the schedules for them at night so that it would be easier for him. And like, none of that was working. And I just had to kind of like let go. I mean, those of you that know me, I'm like anal about needing to micromanage some things and really? perfect and like <laughs> I just had to like you have to live in the gray. Like I'm a much yeah, I, I like the black and the white and I like when it's clear, nothing, you know, about what's going on now. But it's just like living in the gray during this is like where you have to find your new comfort zone. Like you can't, you can't expect anything. And and the other thing is that now that we're like on this other side a little bit. I keep being like, okay, well, it's never going to be as bad as it just was, right? So even if we have to go through this again, and, you know, even if there's a surge or even if there's this or that, like, we've learned enough now that I feel like it just, it's, it just has to be better, right? We're better at it. We know more. We're going to be a little bit more prepared. Not to say it's not going to be crazy at some other time, but it's just, I don't know. I had this moment where I was not being a good mom. I was not being good at work. I was just not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lead all these teams and like be that, that face of comfort and also making decisions, like making really hard decisions and sometimes just having to make a decision because you got to move forward and you can't like hold things up. And, you know, that's hard. But with my kids, it's like the, the pressure we put on ourselves is just so much more than anyone could ever live up to. Like, and that's just, I think as women and as mothers, how we've been raised and how, what we've seen and, 
And, you know, it's who we want to be that perfect person, but we really need to cut ourselves some slack. And it's nice to like hear everybody acknowledge each other. And like, even Jamie Mercer started this out, I think, or somebody apologized, like, I'm really good, or I'm really good at being a lawyer, you said, right? Well, like, women don't like to say that. Like, everyone's like, oh, thank you for the compliment. But no, that's not true. But it is like, we're really good at what we do. And like, we have to like stop and remember that. I mean, I had this moment where, you know, I felt so guilty about all these things because I wasn't in one place enough to feel like I was doing enough. And, um, you know, I would leave in the morning, a horrible morning where I left my three-year-olds in the elevator and completely forgot. And like, you know, <laughs> a horrible parenting moment. Um, and, you know, I usually leave and I walk down and I head to the subway, which I dread every day. And, um, you know, I turn all of a sudden I hear like my kids screaming out the window, like, mommy, look up, look up. And I look up at the window and they put, you know, like rainbows in the window and the whole like stay safe, mommy. And it was like, there's your moment. Like, this is why I do it. And this is like why they see me do it and they'll know I do it. And even though some of your kids are too young and one of mine is definitely going to be too young to remember all of this, like they're good. They know. And on some level, like I grew up in a house where my mom was a stay at home mom and she was an amazing mom. She is an amazing mom, but you know, she didn't have her own thing in her own career. And in some ways I resented that, like growing up now as an adult and I see it and I'm like, you needed your own thing. And like, you know, that's not to say, you know, her choices were her choices and were great for her, but like, it was I a know. different time. They didn't have the tools that we all have now. And granted, we're not even that graceful at it, but right. they just didn't have the tools, but you're a hundred percent right. I I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. It's just, I think that that's my moment. You know, that's my aha moment. The kids see me have, I've done this and you know, I'm now hopefully in a place where I can now be more available and I'm going to take some time off and we're going to go away and, you know, wherever we can go to a beach, but it's, it's kind of what it's all about. You just, you have to do, you have to, it's got to just be good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. So with, it, it's got to be just good enough. Is that, do you feel like that's your true mantra? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I use it at work sometime with, when I supervise people about like really difficult discharges and, you know, we have to really, we work in this like obviously crisis oriented area every day regardless of a pandemic and often the workers like really are like how can I send this patient home this way and, and I'm like listen patients have the right to make bad decisions and we have to support that and blah 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 and often I'm saying to them it just has to be good enough like you're not going to fix all the things in the the week long that they were here in the hospital like it just has to be good enough to get them home and then we'll, they have to figure the rest out from there but it's the same thing it, and I, I really like revert to that a lot. I, I think it's actually very powerful, you know, and I think for those of us, um, and I'm speaking for myself, that have a lot of anxiety as each of us are in a part of the country that is opening at different stages about going back to normalcy. I look at you and I think you've gone to work this entire time. You, you are on the subway and public transportation and you're working in a hospital where like me, which by the way, we all know that I was a germaphobe before COVID-19. <laughs> Um, I, I literally have like a, a 30 second meltdown when I've gone and used a public restroom and haven't sang happy birthday while singing my, while washing my hands for 20 seconds. Cause I'm afraid that I'm going to walk outside and this is just going to hit me and take my family down. 
which, by the way, I know I'm saying exactly what a lot of other people are afraid to say as the world starts to open up, because the truth is it's been really freaking scary. (laughs) And to do all the things that we need to do, it's important to see other people that have done it and are continuing to do it and are okay. So thank you for taking the time to spend with us today, because not only were you balancing your home life and your husband ruling the roost there with three girls and maybe it was three girls ruling him. Um, But also by blocking time to share your wisdom about how you've navigated for the rest of us, because not only is working momhood difficult, working a momhood plus pandemic plus no childcare plus all that other stuff, we need extra places to turn our lights on. So I appreciate you spending the time with us today. Jamie, I think in, 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 um, considering how deep this conversation is and how long it is and how some of us have to return to work, I feel like we can wrap with maybe one fun, indulging thing to lighten it up, whether it's, yep. you know, your favorite food order or a business that's supported. Exactly. We typically love to talk about, you know, everybody has a superpower. Um, everybody, you know, has an action word. Who are you and your group of friends? These types of questions that really identify why you work in the industry that you do. And I think we weirdly by accident covered a lot of that in our other questioning. And I think, you know, a lot of us, our, our superpower is being a mom. And um, so maybe we can just sit on that instead on this episode. But I do think that to wrap it, I think we, we like to kind of shake our sillies out. Obviously we all have this great emotional conversation by wrapping with a fun question to kind of just lighten it up and not talk about business as much. And because one of our questions is what is your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? And I know the answer for three of our guests. I'm going to. Um, also, let's hold on. Let's give them a shout out because I don't know if you saw this, but I saw something not so good about um, one of the Rudy's owners and I'm sending them love and light today. Um, I don't know if you saw that yesterday, but I know he got a, a not so good diagnosis, health diagnosis. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tony's dad. We always love Rudy's. We always love Rudy's in the store in Harrington Park. We're special roast beef and tomato for court. Um, instead, because we're no starting, no comment. We're starting to come out of this. I think I'd love to wrap with the following question, which I, I would have asked anyway. If you could travel anywhere in the world, one alone, two with your partner, and three with your best friends, where would you go? Especially now, because I think we all have some maybe some different answers. Go ahead, Corey. You pick, go first. Pick what you want. Whatever makes you whatever Anything. Where would you travel if you could go anywhere? I don't care if it's alone, with a partner, with friends, all three. Go ahead, Courtney. You go first. Got it. Um, with my husband, I would absolutely go away for like three weeks to like Fiji and maybe even hop over to like New Zealand and Australia. <laughs> Just go. Like go F out. Uh, with my girlfriends, I'd go back to Red Mountain Spa and just like veg out in a spa. Um, and by myself, um, I don't know. And maybe I'd, you know, hop over to Italy and sit in Florence and just watch people go by and drink a like, I don't know. I don't even drink coffee. So just drink something and eat something. Eat gelato. <laughs> An unmasked gelato in a piazza. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Jerry, what about you? Um, I'm sorry. I have to take this phone call. Sorry. Oh, bye. bye, bye. <laughs> this is wonderful. I'm so sorry. Thank you for coming, Jerry. 
Um, there she goes. So I am going to go to Alicia next. Where would you travel? Oh God. Um, I really want to go back to South Africa. Um, I, it's like so hard to think of where I would go alone. Cause I go nowhere alone. <laughs> um, and right now all I want to do is go away with my husband, but, um, I would, I would definitely want to go some, to some beach. Like I don't care if it's Mexico or Cabo or somewhere, um, with my girlfriends, but I would, I would do Italy or Spain with my husband for sure. I love that. Jody. what about you? So during this whole stay at home, my daughter loves to pack up her suitcase, which she literally did before this call and packs up her room, all her clothes. (laughs) So she really wants us to take her to France where she gets that from being four and a half. I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm back to Turks and Caicos. (laughs) So that's one of those two places is where I would go with my family to make her happy. Mm -hmm. I think with my friends, um, Nashville, just to listen to music. I'm, and, di- I'm yeah. dying to go to Nashville. I'm supposed to go in the fall. I'm dying to go. I've never been. And like a couple of us have talked about it for years and we've just never done it. So I guess that's where I would go with my friends. I don't know where I'd go alone. Um, all I keep saying is I like want to be alone, but I don't know where I would go if I was going to go alone. Probably just like a spa somewhere that also was like on a beach, just like a drink in my hands, read a couple of good books could really be anywhere. Just it's to- so true. I think our, our answers might even have shifted in the last couple of months. Um, my true answer is if I could go anywhere alone, it would be to Target um, <laughs> <laughs> for like the day and like maybe Home Goods. Um, <laughs> like pack it on, like Marshalls, like in and out, like the whole day. Just leave me alone. Um, I know my mom and sister would agree with that one, but Yeah, I think, you know, anywhere that's not here, um, often I keep thinking about where I'd love to go and I I don't even know. One time we had somebody say my house by myself, um, which I think is such a fun answer even now, like to think about just being at home alone, doing whatever you want, just in your bed, watching a show that's not a child's choice, not folding laundry, not doing a dishwasher, just nothingness. Um, well, I can't thank you guys enough for being here. Obviously I have a thousand more questions for all of you and Alicia too, for sure. Um, you know, sad that I didn't get to hear Jerry's answer. I have a feeling I know what they would be, but, um, just making sure we didn't have any other questions on the Facebook page. Is there anything that you guys wanted to share that we didn't ask you? No. About your company, about your job, about your kids. About- I, I, I have to run to a call. These people are IMing me right now. Amazing. <laughs> <So. laughs> are they slacking you? I just learned that word. Um, thank you for doing Thank you guys this. for being here. This was lovely. I love so hearing from other moms about how they survived. So thank you for coming. Thank you to Ming for doing our sound. And um, stay tuned from us. And we'll, we'll see you guys all soon. Love you guys. Keep up the good work.